Hello and welcome to the Our Dad Stamps podcast. My name is Pete West and I've spent half a lifetime collecting stamps and more than 10 years buying and selling them. In these podcasts I want to share some personal stories, tips and tricks that I've learned along the way and maybe encourage a few non-philatelists to take up this fascinating and absorbing hobby. I hope you enjoy the podcast. Hello again from Our Dad Stamps. Following my recent podcast on the Penny Red, I've had a request. A request from a a Matthew Jeffrey. So thank you very much for that, Matthew. And he's asked that if I could do uh, a podcast about the Tuppany Blue. So this is it. However, with the Tuppany Blue, there isn't anywhere near as much detail as there is with the Penny Red. So what I thought I would do is to do a podcast about the Tuppany Blue but also include all the other early Victorian Great Britain stamps. It's actually one of my favourite areas for collecting. There are so many varieties and different areas to collect that for me it makes it one of the most interesting areas of stamp collecting. For example, there's an endless variety of watermarks that we use during this period. And we're talking from the introduction of the, the Penny Black in 1840 up to about 1880 when things started to get a bit more organised. But in the early days of Victorian stamps, certainly in Great Britain, there was no real plan. There was no organisation as such. It was a case of when the rates changed and a new stamp was needed, they produced a new stamp. There was no uniformity of design. There was no uniformity of date or anything. It was completely ad hoc. And I think that adds to the interest. So with the sorts of things you can look at, there, there is an endless variety of watermarks that were used, depending on the, the printer that was used at the time and what paper they had. There was also a, a conscious effort within the British Postal Service to stamp down on fraud and forgeries. This brought about the introduction of letters in the four corners. These check letters made it more difficult to reproduce a stamp in that each stamp on one sheet had a different letter in the corners. So if you were going to reproduce a stamp, you'd either have to make 240 reproductions or you would flood the market with a load of stamps with the same check letters, which would be pretty obvious. So firstly, there were no check letters in the corners. Then they used small check letters in all four corners, which were white on a coloured background. They later changed this to having large check letters, again, white letters with a coloured background. And finally, they swapped it around and had coloured letters on a white background. So all these are are, are prevalent within the different stamps that came out in the early Victorian period. And on top of that, they started printing plate numbers in the stamps. So that's yet another area. As I said before, it gives you a vast array of possibilities to collect. And it's one I've certainly got my teeth into. And I've actually got a whole album just on Victorian Great Britain stamps. If you look at the catalogue value in Stanley Gibbons, or for that matter, in any of the other major catalogues, it would appear you'd need to be super rich to get that sort of collection. But that's not actually the case. The catalogue value is for a a top-of-the-range, nicely centred and clearly postmarked stamp. And these are quite hard to come by. But if you don't mind one that's that's off-centre, 
that maybe has a couple of pulled perfs on it that's been heavily cancelled or is just generally grubby. You can pick up a lot of the Victorian stamps for, for less than a tenner. So it's not beyond the realms of the average collector. So let's have a look at what there is available for you and what you can start to collect. I should add at this point that I'm not going to go into the embossed stamps. They are hugely expensive and not a huge amount of variety with them. And to be honest, it's not an area I know much about and I certainly don't have any embossed stamps. So I'm going to give that one a miss for the time being, but maybe I'll come back to that later. So since it was requested, I'm going to start with the Tuppany Blues. And as most of you will know, the Tuppany Blue was issued at the same time as the Penny Black. And it used exactly the same design as the Penny Black, except that along the bottom it had tuppence as opposed to one penny. And the colour was blue instead of black. And other than that, it was the same as the Penny Black. It was produced imperforate, so the, the clerk at the post office had to cut each stamp out individually. But unlike the Penny Black, only two plates were used, known as plate one and plate two. They are fairly easy to distinguish once you've done a bit of study. Like the Penny Blacks, if you study and read up about the differences, they are fairly easy to, to distinguish between. But with the Tuppany Blues, you don't even need to go into all the check letters. There, there are distinct differences between the borders and the stars in the corners that make it easy to distinguish or relatively easy to distinguish between plates one and two. A year after the Tuppany Blue was first issued, around about the time that they changed from a penny black to a penny red, they decided to change the ink used. They'd done a lot of experiments on the penny red and come up with a new type of ink and decided that that should be used for the Tuppany Blues. And in order to distinguish these new stamps from the old stamps, they drew a line underneath the word postage and above the word tuppence. So you now get a Tuppany Blue with two white lines. And once again, these use two different plates, known as plate three and plate four. And once again, they are reasonably easy to distinguish from plate characteristics rather than needing to go into the check letters. So we have imperforate plates one and two with no white lines and imperforate plates three and four with white lines. That gives you four different varieties to collect. After the perforation trials in the late 1840s, early 1850s, the Tuppany Blue became perforated. And this is where it gets interesting because they continued with plate four to start with, and you can get plate four with a 16 perforation and with a 14 perforation. They then also introduced two more plates, plate five, plate six, which used a slightly different alphabet. And once again, with some research, you should be able to distinguish between plates four and five. And the other thing with plate five is they changed the watermark as well. So you can get plate five with a small crown in perf 14 and perf 15, and also with a large crown in perf 14 and perf 16. They also produced a further plate six uh, which came with a large crown watermark and again in Perth 14 and Perth 16. So already we have 12 different varieties of the Tuppany Blue to collect. In 1858, when they decided to redesign all the stamps and put check letters in all four corners, 
They also used the system which they had on the penny red where they included the plate number in the lattice work on both sides of the stamp. And with that type of tuppenny blue, you get plates from seven up to plate 15. Although plates 10 and 11 weren't used as they were deemed not good enough to use. There we go with the tuppenny blue. That's 19 different varieties of tuppenny blue all told. And if you really want to be specialist, there is actually two types of large crown watermark on the plate nine for some reason. So you could get the 20 different types of tuppenny blue. And as I said before, reasonably affordable. The first couple, the Imperf plates one and two that, that came out when the penny black came out, are quite expensive and they are the most difficult ones to get hold of. But all the others are are reasonably affordable and certainly if you look around you can probably pick most of them up for around about a tenner maybe a little bit more in some cases but uh, certainly affordable anyway so moving on from the tuppany blue now when most people start sorting stamps and putting them into a collection like me i suspect they're sorted by country and then in chronological order and that makes perfect sense for most stamps and that's how you will find most catalogues laid out as well but with the early victorian british stamps this is not necessarily the best thing and if you buy the stanley gibbons victoria specialist album they actually approach it in a different manner and it is one i have adopted for my collection and that is collected by value so Apart from the, the Penny Black and the Tuppany Blue, which were obviously the first couple of stamps and are the only imperforate stamps, from then on, I've collected by value. So we're going to have a look at the rest of the Victorian stamps in value order. The lowest value Victorian stamp, and we're talking pre-1880 here, because after that, things became a little bit more organised. But initially, the lowest value Victorian stamp was the Hapney, known as the Bantam and this was, is quite an unusual stamp in that it is half the size of the Penny Black. So it's quite a small stamp. And this was only produced in, in one design. And it was at the time when check letters were produced in each corner. And the plate numbers were printed in the, the lattice work on the side of the stamps. Now the Hapney stamp was printed with plates 1 to plate 20. But not all plates were used. So it's not possible to get hold of some of them. The ones issued are plates 1, 3, 4, 5, 6, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 19 and 20. And all of these are valued at round about the same. The standard Gibbons catalogue value is about £20. But as I've said before, if you're happy to accept one that's not perfect, you can pick these up for just a few pounds. However, plate 9 is slightly different. Plate 9 is valued at £850. So if you get the chance to acquire a plate nine, then it's well worth it. Don't get it mixed up with plate six though. The plate numbers are read from the inside of the stamp outwards, not the other way around. So look out for the plate nine of the halfpenny. Since we've already covered the penny stamps, the next one was the penny halfpenny, or three halfpence as it was known at the time. This was produced only using two plates, plate one and plate three. Plate two was unusable. And again, this has got check letters in all four corners and the plate number printed in the side of the stamp. Those two stamps are fairly straightforward and, and not a lot of variety involved in those. 
Uh, sticking purely in terms of value, the next one, since again we've already covered the Tupney stamp, is a Tupney Tapey one. Now that didn't actually come out until about 1875, but as I said before, to me it makes more sense to go through this in order of value rather than in order of date. So the Tupney Hapney started in a colour called Rosy Mauve, which is a sort of pinky colour. And by the time these stamps were being printed, the plate number is clearly visible in a box or in a circle on the stamp. The Tupney Hapney stamp was printed from plates 1 to plate 23. But at plate 17, they did have a colour change from the rosy mauve to a blue. So you can collect plate 17 in the rosy mauve pink colour, uh, but also in the blue colour. There was also a change of watermark at some point as well. Plates 1, 2 and 3 started life with an anchor watermark. And then during the production of plate 3, the watermark changed to an orb. So plate 3 you can have in two different watermarks as well. And then by the time you get to plate 21 in the blue, the watermark changed to crown. So you've got three different watermarks, you've got 23 different plate numbers, and you've got two different colours, just in one stamp. The next stamp in terms of value is the Thrutney stamp, which was produced in pink, or rose as it is termed. And once again, it remained a constant design throughout its entire life, but totally different from any other stamps that were issued at the same time. And also there were several different plate numbers used. With the Thrupney stamp that was started life in 1860, the first couple of plates weren't printed on the stamp. However, you can tell which plate it is simply by the fact that there isn't a plate number and there is slight differences between plate two and plate three. So pretty easy to spot. Then they started putting plate numbers into them. And as I've said before, they're easy to spot. They're either in a circle or a square at some place on the side of the stamp. And as I said at the beginning of the, the Thrupney Rose, you've got small letters in the corners, you've got large letters in the corners, and you've got large colored letters in the corners, as well as several different watermarks and different plate numbers which go from plate 2 up to plate 21. Again, loads of varieties to collect. Moving on, the next value is the, the Faulkner stamp. And the Faulkner stamp starts to get a little bit more interesting. Again, it was first produced in 1855, and this was to prepay stamps to France. And the first colour was in carmine. And because it was produced in 55, initially the plate numbers were not printed on the stamp. So you need to do a little bit of investigating to find which one's which. But once again, there are characteristics that make it fairly easy to distinguish between the plate numbers. And there's plate 1 and 2, which are in rose carmine. Then they changed the colour to red for plates 3 and 4. Plates 5 and 6 were not used for some reason or other. And then from plate 7 onwards, the plate numbers were clearly printed on the stamp and the colour was changed to vermilion. And for that, you've got plate 7 up to plate 15. And then plate 15, they changed the colour from vermilion to sage green, printed plate 15 and 16 in sage green, and then changed it again to grey-brown and printed plate 17, 18 in grey-brown. So as well as having the different watermarks, the different size check letters, you've also got three different colours. There were no five penny stamps issued, so the next value is sixpence. 
which was first issued in 1856. And so the initial ones don't have plate numbers on them. But again, they're fairly easy to distinguish. And you've got plate one with no corner letters. You've got plate three with small corner letters and plate four also with small corner letters. Then they changed to the larger corner letters where you've got plates five and six. They then changed the watermark from emblems to spray and you've got plate six. Plate seven wasn't used, plate eight, plate nine and plate 10, although plate 10 was never actually issued. However, some have found themselves into the public domain. Then after that, in 1872, the design was changed and the colour was changed and the watermark was changed and you get the sixpence in chestnut and in buff with plates 11 and 12. Finally, it was changed again to grey where you've got plates 12 to 17. And once again, throughout this whole time, the corner letters were changed from small corner letters to large white corner letters to large coloured corner letters. Loads of variety on the sixpence as well. Quickly finishing off, there was an eightpenny stamp produced in 1876. And there was only one type of these, so there's not a huge amount to collect. Unless you're lucky enough to find the purple-brown copy which was never issued, but several of them have appeared in the public domain. But generally it's plate one, eight penny orange is the one you can get. With the nine penny stamp, there were a few plate numbers of this variety. From plate two to plate four were used, and these included the small white check letters, the large white check letters, and two different watermarks. A tenpenny stamp was issued in 1867, but again, this was only one type of stamp with just one plate number used plate one in a couple of different shades of brown. And the last big variety I want to look at is the one shilling stamp. Now, one shilling green initially came out in 1856. There were no check letters in the corners. There was no plate number printed on the stamp. However, there is only one of that particular type, so it's easy to work out. And this was obviously plate one. What is confusing is the next one shilling stamp had four small check letters in the corners and a plate number inscribed in the stamp. But the plate number says plate one and this is actually plate two. So the stamp that has a one on it is plate two stamp, which is somewhat confusing. And similarly, the stamp that has a number two in it is plate three. I'm not sure if this was a mistake on the post office's part or whether they didn't think about it, but it is slightly confusing. They then realised what was going on and changed the next one to plate four, which was actually plate four. So from then on, it's reasonably easy to tell. And then in 1880, they changed the colour to orange-brown. So you get plate 13 in green and also in orange-brown. And also they changed the watermark. So plate 13 is available in green and brown with a spray watermark and in brown with a crown watermark. And there's also a full plate 14 available in that color as well. The last one I'm going to include in this roundup is the two shilling stamp. And there was really only one produced a plate one stamp in a blue color, several shades of blue, but it was just one plate was used. However, in 1880, a two shilling brown was issued. This didn't last very long and is quite valuable. So it's going to be difficult to get hold of, but you can get a two shilling in blue and a two shilling in brown. 
After that, we start going into the high value stamps and that's a, a completely different ball game. So I'm going to end the podcast here. I hope you've enjoyed this roundup of early Victorian stamps. Maybe you've taken a bit from it. As I said at the beginning, it's, it's a fascinating area of collecting for me. And there's so much variety and so many different types that you can collect. And despite the look on the catalogue, I assure you it's not hugely expensive. It's not cheap, but it's not hugely expensive. And for me, very rewarding. So once again, thank you for listening to my podcast. And we'll see you again in a couple of weeks for Add Ad Stamps podcast. Thank you for listening to the podcast. I hope you found it interesting and enjoyable. Don't forget you can visit my online stores at eBay and Dell Camp under the name of Our Dad Stamps, where I have over 2,000 items for sale. Please join us again in two weeks' time for another edition of Our Dad Stamps podcast.